Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, the reading, of course, is based primarily on Psalm 94. Uh, it's 1 through 15. I mentioned earlier that there is something in this text that's not found anywhere. Uh, try not to get too dorky and nerdy about it. It's called a double vocative. Um, God generally does this in very special times when he calls people. Right? When he says, Abraham, Abraham, or Moses, Moses, this double vocative when God calls people, which we are going to have a number of those um, coming up here pretty soon. That's our first mini-series inside the entire series is God calling people, um, and it's not uncommon for God to call people with a double vocative. But this is a different sort of double vocative. This is the psalmist using a double vocative, and it's the only time we have this name or descriptor, whatever you want to call it, of God that is uh, God of vengeance. And so today we are going to talk about those feelings of vengeance, revenge, and those, those ugly things that are sometimes in our heart. So this is Psalm 94, 1 through 15. O Lord, God of vengeance, O God of vengeance, shine forth. Rise up, O judge of the earth, Repay to the proud what they deserve. O Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked exalt? They pour out their arrogant words, all the evildoers boast. They crush your people, O Lord, and afflict your heritage. They kill the widow and the sojourner and murder the fatherless. And they say, the Lord does not see. The God of Jacob does not perceive. Understand, O dullest of the people, fools, when will you be wise? He who planted the ear, does he not hear? He who formed the eye, does he not see? He who disciplines the nations, does he not rebuke? He who teaches man knowledge, the Lord, knows the thoughts of man, that they are but a breath. Blessed is the man whom you discipline, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law to give him rest from days of trouble until a pit is dug for the wicked. For the Lord will not forsake his people. He will not abandon his heritage. For justice will return to the righteous, and all the upright in heart will follow it. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading is from 1 Corinthians. And in 1 Corinthians, he does use similar language as kind of a reference to that psalm. You'll pick up on it pretty easily. But the background in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 is some divisions going on in the church. Um, and <clears throat> sort of specifically, those divisions are, well, Paul taught these people, so I follow Paul. Well, I follow Apollos. And, and all of these sort of divisions in the church about who's right about these things happens in lots of churches uh, all around denomination-wise or even congregational-wise. Those divisions, Paul is saying, those are the foolish things, and those things are divisive. Um, and, well, specifically, these are his concluding thoughts on those divisions in the church, starting with verse 18. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. 
So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. This is the word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, um, focusing, like I said, primarily on Psalm 94, we're going to talk about... um, a thing that I just randomly, this, for this sermon, decided to coin the phrase proper ventilation, <laughs> right? Proper ventilation, and I don't mean in your house how you have to have your HVAC set up just right and inspectors come out, and maybe this is on top of my mind because of the building process we're going through and trying to keep up on all of these things and just pay enough attention. Fortunately, we have very, very smart, wise, experienced people doing the hard work, right? And I just read the emails. But, but HVAC, you know, proper ventilation, you want things, air moving the right direction, all of that. I don't, I'm not going to pretend like I understand it. I just know it's important. <laughs> and we, when we think about it in a spiritual sense, proper ventilation is, is what I'm using to describe the way we vent our sin, right? The, the way we vent it, the things that are in our hearts that are ugly and gross. And, and if we're being honest about it, which we will in the next point, but if we're being honest about it, we know those things aren't good. And when we're harboring anger towards a person, or even if it's just a situation, and we know those things aren't, aren't healthy just in general to store up anger and, and those frustrations in our heart. We know that's not healthy for us. But we also know it's sinful. In our text this morning, the, the author of Psalm 94, man, does he lay, um, absolutely lay into wicked people. And he goes, he goes hard, really hard to the Lord on, on all of these things that the wicked people are doing and he uses this, this phrase, it's, it's not only just a double vocative, which is in and of itself specific enough and rare enough that we should be paying attention, but God of vengeance doesn't show up anywhere else in Scripture either. And, and we're not quick to think of God as a God of vengeance. We don't like that. It's, it's the, the type of thing that sounds kind of ugly as you read it. So I, I don't want to, um, I don't want to justify what the, the psalmist is feeling, right? I, I don't know how right he is about the wickedness of those people or the context. But I know, I know a lot of Christians who have this sort of mindset in their heart. And, and I know people who have these feelings. And I can tell you it's, it's never so clean as I was doing nothing, and <laughs> perfectly content with life and sinless in all of my words and deeds. And this other person, for no reason whatsoever, just decided to do something terrible to me. It's always more complicated. There's always a sinful context to it, and it always takes two to tango, (laughs) right? There's always more to it than that. But I'm going to set all of that aside. I'm not judging how correct, how right, how pure the psalmist is in his, in his thoughts and ideas. But I am going to commend him and that he's doing this the right way. He's got his ventilation properly aligned because he's going to God with it and not directly to those wicked people. 
He's following the scripture from Deuteronomy where he says, God says, vengeance is mine and recompense for the time when their foot shall slip for the day of their calamity is at hand and their doom comes swiftly. God says, vengeance is mine. So proper ventilation is simply taking those feelings and they are ugly. They they are probably fraught with sin. They're, They're probably not pure as the driven snow but he's taking them right to God and saying, God of vengeance, oh Lord of vengeance, how long will you let them? But you see, he's saying, how long will you let them? Not how long do I have to wait before I go beat them up, right? How long do I have to wait before I write the nasty email? How long, oh Lord, until you bless me and tell me how right I am in all of my anger and frustration so I can actually take it out of them? No, he's saying, how long, oh Lord, until you do this? See, the, the, the venting to God is something that is it's cathartic, it's therapeutic, and it, it's, it's good for us. Right? It, it doesn't mean that we have to have the purest of motives and all of these things to go to our God with these frustrations. It means in the midst of our sin and frustration and however much guilt we share in all of this, we go to God with it and just puke it out. Right? And we, we've all done this and had somebody do this with us when, when they just need to vent and they just puke things out and, and you just kind of nod your head like, yep, yep, okay. <laughs> just let it all out. And how good you feel or how, how good they feel when it's over. That is something that, that God encourages us to do. This psalm is a model of us venting to God and, and simply puking all of these things out. So it's, it's, it's not wrong. It's not bad to go to the Lord with this mindset. As long as you understand, vengeance belongs to him and not to you. And I, I promise you, <laughs> the, the Lord is, is just simply not going to resolve this situation by affirming to you and granting to you the right to do whatever your heart desires to this person for revenge. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason God says vengeance is mine. When we, when we think of vengeance, it's always very selfish, right? I mean, if you allow yourself just a minute to, to pick that situation or that person and, and think for a second, what would I do to make this thing right? What's probably driving that, the value that's driving that is, man, would I feel better? <laughs> or would they feel worse, which would make me feel better? <laughs> or I would get my stuff, or I would get the honor or the accolades, or I would get the promotion, or I would get whatever. It, it's very selfish. So we don't do revenge well because we're so very myopic. We're, we're, we look too small and we're too selfish and self-centered. When God brings about his vengeance, and he does, and we're going to talk about exactly how God brings catastrophic vengeance in our time and in all time at the end of the message. But when God does it, he's got a kingdom vision 
And it's about bringing glory to himself. It's about rescuing his people. It's about salvation to the world. It's not about making me personally feel better that somebody else is now suffering instead of me. No, it's, it's about his kingdom. This is why he says, I'll take care of all of those things, but vent them to me. And here's... <laughs> Here's the, the secret, the, the twist, the, oh, I almost don't want to tell you because I just want you to experience this, right? The twist is this, this sort of spiritual, proper venting. Like when, when that venting is done properly to the Lord, the venting becomes confession. I'm going to say that again. When it's done right, when it's done well, your venting to the Lord about other people becomes your confession to him. Because as you do it, as you're like, I'm so angry that, and, and whatever you're listing off and going through all of these different things, you're not doing so as, as a secular person. You're not doing so as, as just a, a non-believer, regular person. You're doing so as a child of God. The Holy Spirit will just sit in your heart and churn and go, you know, you also, ding. You know, maybe they responded that way because, I, you know, I was kind of short with them. Or, you know, there was that thing that I did say, or I guess that could have been their sinful response to my sinful action here. So pretty soon, as you're, as you're pouring these things out to God, as you're venting to him, suddenly you're like, I am not innocent in this, am I? I am not pure as a driven snow. You're venting through time, as you do it, as, as you pour your guts out to God, maybe all of it in the beginning is about that other person, but because the Holy Spirit is doing exactly what I was saying in the children's message, just slowly, slowly, it becomes your own recognition of your own sin, and now you're, you're just confessing to God. It, it moved from all about them or that situation to, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. <laughs> this, is, this is as much about me as it is about anyone else or about anything else. This is sort of me. And to not do so is to be the dullest of people, fools, as both uh, Psalm 94 and Paul says in 1 Corinthians, the dullest of fools, or um, as we would say in this dynamic would be like today, and I'm going to see how how well we can finish this phrase, how, how this particular meme hits home. If you can finish it, nobody's going to know. They're going to know. Thank you, gosh. <laughs> you guys don't have TikTok? I don't have TikTok either. I'm not going to lie. I just try and stay up. If you've not seen that meme on TikTok, nobody's going to know. They're going to know. How do they know? And people are doing these just ridiculous things where you're like, clearly you're not going to get away with that. The idea that nobody's going to know our sin is ridiculous. The idea that, that nobody's going to know. I'm venting about this person. I'm, I'm so angry about this situation, thinking that I'm pure as a driven snow. As, as you do that venting that turns into confession, you should be honest with yourself. And if you're not, you're being the fool. But be honest with yourself. 
and say, people do see it. People know. Don't, don't think that, that you've got everybody fooled. Well, I mean, the, the psalmist says, and I think we have the text on here. Do we have the text on this? Yes, we do. He who planted the ear. I love that phrase, planted. He stuck your ears on your head. Does he not hear also? <laughs> he who created the, for, invented the eye, invented vision, does he not see? He who disciplines the nations, does he not rebuke? He who teaches man knowledge, the Lord, knows the thoughts of men that they are but a breath. Yeah, God knows. And probably other people do too. And if you think nobody knows that, that you've played some sort of role in this situation or with this person, if you think other people think, well, he did nothing wrong whatsoever, you're being a fool. You're simply playing the fool. People do know, and it's that hypocrisy that, that is in our lives that we need to root out because it's, it's so troublesome not only to other people but to our very relationship with God. To pretend as if he doesn't know, which is what our psalmist is, is aggravated about the foolish, dullest of people, is they're pretending like God doesn't know what they're doing. They're pretending like God isn't paying attention. And if God doesn't know, well, then nobody else could know either. And that's what's causing this damage in, in our relationship. We absolutely see this in our culture and society today. All right? I'm not going to go into politics or anything in the news, but you can spend less than 10 minutes reading headlines from different websites and go, do they not see their own hypocrisy? Do they not see how, how they have done this? And do they not see how they have done that? We all see it. Everyone sees it. And, and if they're not seeing it themselves, then they've got like this ideological brain parasite that doesn't allow them to engage with reality. And that's, that's why this is so dangerous, to buy into your own hypocrisy to believe that you're not a hypocrite, to believe that you're not the sinner, to believe that nobody is going to know will isolate you and put you in this little bubble where you're not really engaging with the world. And when you're not really engaging with the world and the truth of the world that's around you, well, then you're not seeing what God is really doing and what he really does with sin. Begin to think that the world, God, other things, the justice system, or whatever, these things are, are going to solve my problem. These things are going to resolve this issue in my life, and I'm going to trust in these things. But I have really good news for you. If you're willing to look at yourself and if you're willing to examine yourself and see in the midst of all of these things in your life that cause you trouble, that, that give you distress, trials, tribulation, how you have played a part, how you have been at fault, that you are partially guilty for them, if you're willing to do this, you're going to dis discover something wonderful, something beautiful, lovely, and amazing. And that is, we have a very vengeful God. <laughs> Beautiful and wonderful? Mm -hmm. 
It is. It is because, as I said, way at the beginning of this sermon, our idea of vengeance is different from his. Our idea of being vengeful involves the person receiving their just due. And God is, has managed in his brilliance to figure out a way to be just and to be righteous and to have that perfect vengeance on sin. See, he simply takes that sin from me and then he puts it on Jesus. Remember, he who had no sin becomes sin and there is all of the vengeance of God right there. Ever wonder why the, the crucifixion had to be so brutal, so ugly, so painful? Part of it, there's, there's lots and lots of big picture reasons. One of the, the beautiful things about that ugliness is that when we think of what we wish would happen to our enemies or those people who cause us distress, all of those things, if in our minds then we see Jesus and go, well, that's what that sin got. Not what that person got, but that's what that sin got. And, and Jesus got what they deserved. You see, that's how this plan works of God's vengeance. God is absolutely vengeant on sin. He, he meets out huge amounts of vengeance, divine, eternal portions of, of his anger and rage and vengeance against all of the injustices of the world, all of the wrongs that anybody has ever done, all of those things, he does come. Like, like the psalmist says, God of vengeance, God of vengeance, rise up and repay the proud. He did. He did exactly what the psalmist wanted him to do, but he did it to Jesus. And that's a beautiful thing. Because some of my stuff is there too. And I don't want that sort of vengeance on me. And we're, we're flawed sinners. We, we have this weakness. We're like, I don't want it to happen to me, but I wouldn't mind if it happened to them. No, that's not how this works. It's not how this works. Because remember, God's vision is kingdom vision. He doesn't want any of his beautiful creatures, his, his people. God doesn't want any person to suffer the vengeance they deserve, to be repaid what their sin deserves. So in Jesus, he has devised a way for that sin to be removed, placed on Jesus, and then dealt with. And then he's devised a way in which the broken body that is still sinful and, and still weak flesh dies but is raised again without any of that sin because it was dealt with over there on the cross. He's devised this way to separate sin from sinner. He's devised this way to give to us this gift of eternal life where there is no pain, suffering, sorrow, brokenness, and all of those, those issues that we cry out to God today about, oh, God of vengeance, oh, God of vengeance, all of that is gone at the resurrection. And so our, our, mission, our mission becomes this the seeking those who are lost, who don't realize that they are still caught up in their sin, that the ultimate vengeance is coming, but there's a way out of it that is so simple. Just remove the sin. 
Just, just pardon, forgive the sin. It's so very simple. Be baptized and believe. Wash the sin away. Place it on the cross with Jesus where it already has been dealt with and then have eternal life. It's such a simple message. It's such an easy to communicate message that this sin that's in your heart that, that you find so caught up as you, as you cry out to God, as you confess, all of this, it's been dealt with. So I, I encourage you, vent to the Lord. Vent to him all you want. Be prepared for that to become confession. Be prepared to see yourself caught up in it. And then be prepared to do what Jesus has done for you. Pardon that sin. Place that grievance that you have against your enemy or in that situation. See it there on the cross. And then extend love to that person or that situation in the same way that he has extended love to you. And maybe even in this life, those relationships or situations will be resurrected anew. It's the only way. It's the only way to properly have divine, just, and righteous revenge and vengeance is to let Jesus take it on the cross. Amen. And may the peace which surpasses human understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Would you please stand to pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you for taking my sin and dealing with it on the cross, for taking all of that uh, anger and rage and justice and wrath that you have for sin and not pouring it out on me, but rather pouring it out on your son, Jesus. And Jesus, my Lord and my Savior, none of us could ever begin to thank you enough for taking all of that on our behalf. But we praise you and we worship you and we acknowledge and exalt you as God of the universe and King of our lives. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would encourage our hearts today to find peace and love and forgiveness and reconciliation with others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give to you his peace. Amen.